Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey everybody, welcome to Morning Devotion. Sorry I'm a little late. A little technical glitch. Yes, amen, you know how those go. In this day of saturation on the media. Welcome. Welcome to Morning Devotion. This is day 11 of 21 days of prayer. The subject today, the fierce urgency of now. So Patty, Jerry, Eve, Yolanda, Hope, Carrie, David, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for joining us. We are believing for nothing less than a great awakening. And here behind me on the backdrop, you you can see outside of the World Trade Center, the Oculus uh, that's there that is sort of the grand central of the financial district. And I believe, I believe that just as New York and our nation has seen great awakenings in the past, that we are going to see a great awakening in this day. In fact, I simply believe it's probably already happening. We just haven't really grasped and wrapped our mind around it. But hopefully, each and every day that we gather, we can share in this and we can see God doing something great. The call is going out. It's going out to one and all to gather before the throne of grace and to gather to see what God is doing in anticipation of the Lord doing miraculous things. I believe God is doing something with us, with those of us that gather here 7 a.m. Central or whenever you can join in. You're just as much part of the family as those that can be here live. We believe God is answering our prayers. And when we gather together, it just intensifies that and it attracts the presence of God. He inhabits the praises of Israel. And so we're lifting him up. Just give him some praise today. Thank you for being a part of this. Valerie and Denise and Cheryl and Donna and Alice. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this morning devotion. This is a group that began a year or so ago, and we are just claiming and declaring that good things are happening. And you make it special by being a part of us and being so faithful. Many of you since day one, you've been here. God bless you. I don't even know if I've been here every day since day one. In fact, I can nearly promise you there are days that I did this and I don't remember it too well even while I was doing it. Thank you for making this special. Our hearts are heavy. We know with the season in which we find ourselves, but take courage, my soul. Amen. Our minds are running crazy with thoughts, but we are girding up the loins of our minds. We're letting the mind of Christ be in us. Our lives are somewhat out of their normal comfort zone, But in such a time, we run to the rock that is higher than us. Amen. And that's what we're doing. And we're gathering here. So everybody that joins us, you know the drill. Like the page, follow the page, share the page if this means something to you. And I believe today will. It was in the closing days of that great Azusa Street revival in Los Angeles. Happened from 1906 to 1909, about a thousand days. It touched the entire world, a 40-foot by 60-foot building. What happened in that humble, 
former Methodist mission that had become a tombstone shop. That was so powerful, it shook the world. Let it happen again. Let it happen again from every corner of our nation and world. The people who assembled in that humble building, there were two significant promises that were made. That in the last days, and I, this first one, I remember Brother Becton talked with me about this. this. This promise, this prophecy affected him. There was a promise given in Azusa Street that in the last day, three things would jeopardize the progress of the Church of the Living God. An overemphasis on power rather than on righteousness. An overemphasis on praise rather than prayer, and an overemphasis on the gifts of the Spirit rather than the Lordship of Christ. That's pretty powerful. Power over righteousness, praise over prayer, gifts over Lordship. I remember Brother Becton was deeply moved by that prophecy, and he shared it with me and others, and I, I believe we're we're attempting to rectify this. If coronavirus, COVID-19 has done nothing more, it's hit the reset button. And we, we need to get back to the prayer. And we need to get back to the Lordship of Christ. And we need to get back to that righteousness, if indeed we stray. The second message this was a promise. At Azusa and in multiple other places in the United States, nearly simultaneously, Prophecies were given to the same effect, that Azusa would be duplicated and multiplied in the days ahead. A century or so ahead, there would be a saturation of the Spirit in the 21st century. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately, about the timing of Azusa. You know that Azusa happened right on the heels of the great San Franciscan earthquake, the most devastating earthquake in America's history. 3,000 died. Half of the city's 400,000 inhabitants were left homeless. That's when Azusa happened. It just seems, folks, it just seems that God chooses to do his greatest works against the darkest of backdrops in the most difficult seasons and times. When I see what's happening in our world, this this explosion in Beirut, the flexing of muscle behind the bamboo curtain, and yes, the spreading of the virus and fear and misery and pain, and, and then in our own lives, the passing away of some trusted elders, and, and there are voices shouting everywhere and other voices being muzzled. We are living in a perilous time, but as with America's awakening down through the years in such a time, God does his greatest work. So while I'm concerned, I'm also challenged, challenged to believe, to see God outdo himself. You see, it's God's way. He saves the best for last. The latter's greater than the former. In his first miracle at Cana of Galilee, the last wine was saved for the or the best wine was saved for last. Whatever awakenings have come and have come to our shores, whatever Azusa Street was, I believe there is a greater awakening that's dawning. Something greater than Azusa is here. Because God acts in the comparative and superlative. He moves from the better to the best and he saves the best for last. Can I get a witness to that? You've not seen the best you 
yet. You've not witnessed your greatest miracle yet. You've not come through the greatest, uh, you've not come to the greatest mountaintop and shouted to the extent that you shout. You've not seen God do do the miraculous like he's going to do. You see, we are on the cusp of the greatest move of God that has ever happened in this world because the entire world, think of any other instance where all seven seas, all seven continents have been affected like they've been in the last few months. That tells me that God is about to make bare his right arm of power, that mercy's flowing on every shore, and we will see the greatest awakening not only our nation has ever seen, but our world. Can I get a witness to that? It's my firm belief. Tony and uh, April and Susan, uh, it's my firm belief, why that? It's my firm belief that God is about to do the greatest work that he's ever done since Calvary and an upper room, that the gospel is coming alive as never before in our midst. Uh, We live in what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once called the fierce urgency of now. That was given in one of his most famous speeches. He said, we are now faced with the fact that tomorrow is today and we are confronted with the fierce urgency of now. In this unfolding conundrum of life and history, there is, Martin Luther King said, there is such a thing as being too late. This is no time for apathy or complacency. This is a time for vigorous and positive action. And I agree with Dr. King. And if it was true 50 years ago when he said those words, how much truer is it for us today? And how much more relevant is it for us today? The fierce urgency of now. We see the results of great neglect in the past, of people not acting sooner to right wrongs, to speak up, to take stands. But in a spiritual sense, here's where we've been. We thought, well, the day is coming. Revival is coming. It's on its way. One of these days. But folks, you have entered into the fierce urgency of now. The time is now. It is now. Two words in the New Testament, largely for time, chronos, chronological, sequential time. Um, We get our word chronology from that word, kairos, times and seasons. That's how you'll see it in the Bible. But right now we are standing at the intersection of chronos and kairos, that man's time is intersected with God's time. This is the moment, hear me carefully, this is the moment for which you were born and born again. Oh my, this is that moment, Winnie and Glenn and Connie, this is that moment for which you were born and born again. I want to tell you a story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us about a town that meant a lot to Jesus. It wasn't necessarily the most attractive town in the world. It wasn't a resort. People didn't go there just to hang out. Some believe it was where the lepers from Jerusalem were sent. It was near Jerusalem. Simon the leper's house was there. The town's name was Bethany. We know its location near Jerusalem, eastern slopes somewhere from the Mount of Olives. We don't know the name of the town's exact meaning. Beth, that's easy. Second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, it means house, house. As in Bethel, house of God, Bethesda, house of mercy, Beth Shemesh, the house 
of the rising sun. It's the second part of that town's name that gets a little confusing. It's the root word, Anna. It has at least five possible meanings. Yeah. Wow. And from those meanings, you can see that Bethany meant perhaps one of five things. The Beth Anna house of misery, house of depression, house of dates like the palm fruit, house of answering, or, or here's one, the house of now. And maybe the most noteworthy mention of Bethany is found in John chapter 11. And we read that that incredible story that prefigured the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This incredible story, this was the hinge that caused Judas to betray him and the hinge that caused the Pharisees to say, we have to kill Jesus. There was a certain man named Lazarus of Bethany in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And parenthetically, John said it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick, close parentheses. Therefore, his sister sent to him, said, Lord, our brother's sick. And I'm not going to linger on the story. You know that Jesus loved going to Bethany, the house of now. He loved those three siblings, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and they were almost like family to our Lord. Have you ever noticed that sometimes, sometimes you can get so close to people of faith that they become more than just spiritual family. They become like your blood family. Amen. I hope you feel that way. I hope you feel that way when you get in here, that you're part of the family of God. Trouble came to that favored house. It came in the form of sickness. Lazarus got sick. Sister sent word to Jesus, who was in another town, another town, Ot. Providentially, it was also named Bethany, but it was on the other side of the Jordan River, about 100 kilometers, 60 miles away. Jesus got word. He delayed. He delayed. He didn't answer right away. Can I get a witness? Jesus doesn't seem to answer on our clock sometimes. In fact, Jesus waited until he knew Lazarus had succumbed to the sickness. He waited until all hope was gone. And when Lazarus had been dead for four days, then and only then, Did Jesus enter the house of now? Oh, my. my. Lazarus was dead. He was buried. Martha, it was Martha, curiously, that came running to meet Jesus. And later Mary would come. Both sisters sang in a mournful duet at different times. Lord, if you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. We we had that confidence in you. If you could have got here on time, Lord. You see, they had faith in the God of yesterday, in the God of Pat, of the past. And Jesus told Martha, your, your brother shall rise again. He's going to get up. And Martha said, yes, we know that, Lord, at the last day. And so that tells me she not only had faith in the God of the past, but she had faith in the God of the future, that someday her brother would rise again. But what Martha could not wrap her mind around was the God of the present, Jehovah Shammah, the God of right now the one who said, I am resurrection and life, the one who is same yesterday, today, and forever, the great I am, not I was, not I will be, but the God of the moment, the God of the fierce urgency 
of now. He's the God that is the present help in the time of need. Our God is not a bystander. He's not a spectator. He's not on some distant galaxy while we're going through what we're going through and while you are enduring what you're enduring. He is here now, now. Martha's face, oh, it came so close. Uh, At one point, she said, even now, I believe that whatever you ask Jesus, it'll happen. Even now, I believe, but the daunting, depressing, miserable reality of a dead brother caused her faith to crash and burn. And at that moment in her mind, Bethany was the house of misery, the house of depression. But what God is looking for on this earth, folks, is faith. He's looking for people who can say, even now, I believe. And through belief, we call Christ alive into our situation. We transform a house of misery into the house of now. Would you, would you in this morning devotion join with me, Lawanda and Kimmy and Vicki and Elaine and Mel? Would you join with me and enter into this house of now, into this fierce urgency of now and say with Martha, even now, I believe pain and misery on every hand. The night is dark around me. Gloom like a thick blanket covers my shoulder. But I'm going to lift my voice and say, my dream is not dead. My dream is asleep. It shall rise again. Even now, I believe that's going to that's going to cause you to enter into a new dimension of God, the house of now. I'm one of those people. I I do believe I believe God visits us again and again and again and not once, but comes many times. I sort of like in the Lord's parable where he came in the first hour of the morning to find laborers for his vineyard. Then he came in the third, the sixth, the ninth and eleventh hour. He's the God who comes at daybreak. He's the God that comes at the third hour in the youth and adolescence of our lives. He is the God that comes at the sixth hour noon at midlife. At midlife. Uh, he is the one that comes uh, at the ninth hour of the day, three o'clock in the afternoon in the retirement years. And, and yes, thank God he shows up at the 11th hour at the point of passing. He's the God who never gives up. He never gives up. He keeps coming back. But the parable illustrates a vital point that eventually the sun is going to go down. And eventually we're going to hit that 11th hour where we don't have much time left. Uh, And there is a time. There is a time. We've just got to awaken. We've got to awaken to the moment and say, this is the hour. This is the moment. Uh, Do you know there was once a time when people awaken not by cell phone or even alarm clock, but there was a person that would go around waking up people. For many workers in 20th century Britain, the daily alarm clock was a service worker because people had moved from farms to cities that didn't rise with the rooster, the rooster crowing at the sun, but many worked unusual shifts and it threw the circadian rhythms, their body clocks off. So people were hired to go around and wake up workers. They'd beat on windows, they'd knock on doors. One of the more famous ones in East London or in London East End was Mary Smith. Mary Smith used a pea shooter and she'd just fire peas and hit the upper story glass windows and make a large, a cracking sound that would wake up that worker. For six pence a week, you could hire Mary Smith to come around with her pea shooter and wake you up. Well, folks, this is the time to wake up.
This is the time to stir ourselves. This is a time to stir up the gift that is on the inside of us. We need to be gripped with the fierce urgency of now. Now is our day. Now is our time. I don't know why just early this morning, I, 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 I've not done this, and but I just feel like this evening, I don't know, around 645 on this page, I just want to I just want to lead a little prayer meeting. If you want to join us, join us. And uh, we're just going to pray for one another's needs. It can go five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I don't know. But maybe maybe I can just be like Mary Smith with the pea shooter. And I'm just going to fire misses against the windows of complacency and apathy and lethargy. And I'm going to say that this is our time to awaken as never before. And see God do the miraculous and the impossible in our midst. Now is the time. The fierce urgency of now. And you and I can make a difference in the world that we're living in. And we can usher in with many people praying around the world. We can usher in that one last final great awakening. Like the page, follow the page, share the page. But more importantly, leave your prayer request out to the side. Let's circle around and believe God for one another. God bless you. If you can make it, 645 tonight. See you then. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.